Let's pray and look to the Lord and ask him to speak to our hearts. Shall we rise on our feet? And um, brothers and sisters, if you know your heart well, you would agree to the testimony of the scripture that we may not be very much different from what the Lord says in this passage. It says here that they always go astray in their hearts. Is there anyone here who disagree with this and say that I am not among them. I am very different. You must be an angel to do so. And let's um, pray at this time. Lord, you restore my heart. And give me thy grace not to go astray in my heart. Even astray in my mind as I listen to your word. Let's pray people. And ask God, Lord, you seal my heart with your words of life. And give me a listening ear and an obedient heart. Would you please join with me and pray for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord, which is a light unto our paths. And which directs us, the paths that we need to choose. We thank you for your words of eternal life inscribed in these pages of your word. These words are no mere words. These are the words of the Almighty God. These are the words inspired by the Holy Spirit. And today, as we hear your word, may we not harden our hearts and submit ourselves to the authority of your scripture, not allow the devil to distract our minds but allow the spirit of God to take these words and revive our souls and may we commit ourselves to love you above everything we thank you for this opportunity you have given your church which you bought by the blood of the lamb to listen to your word and we pray that you honor your name exalt the authority of your word and build your church in the name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3 from verses 7 to 12. And let me read once again as this message is also being recorded. It is uh, helpful for those who listen online. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. We see here that the scripture says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear, your vo hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. I want to once again clarify, even now, as I clarified in my previous message, and this is the second part of guarding your heart. And uh, I mentioned to you, if you remember, that when the scripture is saying today, if you hear his voice, it doesn't mean that you hear some inner voices and you should obey those voices. It's not that you will hear some audible voices from outside and you should hear those voices. When the Bible says here, if you hear his voice, it means the voice of God inscribed in the Holy Bible. And if you want some evidence, as I was doing my personal devotions uh, 
this week in Deuteronomy and I was amazed that how the word, voice of God is synonymous with the word of God. Let me just show to you as we go ahead so that it will be very clear in your mind that the voice of God is nothing but the word of God. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Please turn your hard copy Bibles. Do not be hardened in your hearts and get your mobile phones. Carry your Bible, please. It is a good, healthy habit to carry hard copy Bibles so that we would not be distracted by notifications when we look into the phone. But stay focused on the Word of God. Hear this, what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 10. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God. Keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Do you see here? The voice of God is synonymous with the commandments of God, the statutes of God. So when the Bible says here to the people of Israel that you need to obey the voice of God, it means that obey the law, the word that has been given to you. Not only there, I was reading even uh, yesterday, Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I was amazed how it is also a code in this chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, how? Being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Do you see that? You obey the voice of God by being careful to do all His commandments. So the voice of God is not some inner voices or external voices. It is the commandments of the Lord. Again, 28 verse 15. We see that here. 28 verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So I just want to convince you today that when we are speaking about uh, the voice of God and when the Bible is telling you to obey the voice of God, it means to obey the word of God. Brothers and sisters, please hear this carefully. This is the voice of God. Be careful of your posture when you read this. Be careful of your attitude when you read this. Be careful of your submission when you read this. These are no Ordinary words, but the very word, voice of God inscribed in the words that we have to pay attention to. And it says here that therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with the generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an even unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In the last previous message, I have given you solid exposition of what this scripture meant and how it applies to us. So today, what I was thinking about is as I was uh, reading this passage, and also at the same time, I'm going through Deuteronomy in my personal devotions. And also at the same time, interestingly, I am speaking to mentors in the church on the dynamics of the heart. 
So when I saw all these things, I was thinking about I should go a little deeper into the hearts of the Israel here so that we would understand how they were going astray. What was the cause of it? And what was the means of it? All these things helpful to very much how we live our Christian life. Not only the author of Hebrews cautions people here to the believers here, take care brothers and sisters, lest there be any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So we see here that the author of Hebrews is showing the people of Israel here and cautioning these believers, be careful how you walk. Be careful about the condition of your heart. And I see that even Paul echoes the same words. If you have read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6, you see what Paul says, similar to what the author of Hebrews is saying. 1 Corinthians 10 6, speaking about the people of Israel in the wilderness, just as the author of Hebrews has been speaking about the people of Israel in the wilderness, he gives them similar caution in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. You see here, same caution. These things happened to the people of Israel in the wilderness and they are caution to us, example to us, warning us. What? That we should not desire evil as they did. Author of Hebrews says here that we would not have an evil, unbelieving heart like these people and go astray from the living God. People listen to this carefully. These people were good at their mouth profession. At lip service. But lip service, confession with their mouth is not the guarantee of the devotion. You know what are the two tests that we see that I would like to take you through the wilderness. Let's get back to more than 4,000 years and get into the shoes of these people and see how they were going astray. And what happened? There are two things that I would like to tell you how they were going astray, how they were carrying this evil, unbelieving heart which really destroyed them. The first thing that I would like to tell you when you look into the people of Israel, Israelites, there are two kinds of people that I would like to show you. Israelites before entering the promised land and Israelites after entering the promised land. What destroyed them before, what destroyed them later, and these two struggles we are facing in our everyday Christian life, and how we need to be cautioned by them. The first thing that I would like to tell you about the Israelites before entering the promised land is their suffering, pain. And we see here how pain, how suffering, how affliction God allows in a Christian life for a very special purpose. All of us are going through suffering in one way or the other. And we should take great encouragement from this passage. I would like to read especially from Exodus chapter 19 from verses 7 to 8. After these people came out of the bondage of Egypt. When they crossed through this amazing spectacular miracle of these people walking through the Red Sea. And after they came out of it, this is what Moses says to them. And you look at how these people responded. Much like so many people today say about when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 19 verses 7 to 8. 
So Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together. All people. Millions of people. They were about, I told you right, close to 20 million people maybe. Including men and women and children. And maybe mostly the adults who were millions of people saying this. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Wow. What devotion, right? What submission? What obedience? All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. No problem. We are impressed what the Lord has done in the land of Egypt. Now he brought us out of the land of Egypt. And we are impressed to see the tearing apart of the Red Sea. We will do whatever the Lord tells us. We will. We believe in him and we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Moses might have been impressed, but the Lord not. And what did he do? Be careful what you speak, people. Because this is what will happen to you and me also. And what happened later? Before I show what happened, I will, what the Lord did, I will, I will show you what happened after, just after some time. Numbers chapter 14 verse 11. I can show you in Exodus also, but Numbers 14, 11 is more apt. And the Lord said to Moses, what did he say? How long will these people despise me? How long? These people always go astray. These people don't submit. These people only listen. They do not obey. These people express with their lips, we will obey. We will do whatever you want us to do. They hark on the words of the God, but get back to their tents and houses and to their normal life, the word of God disappears from them. How long will they despise me? How, how long will they disobey me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them. When I saw this, I was thinking about, it is much like wedding vows. Isn't it? On the wedding vow, what people make, husband and wife and bride and bridegroom. In death, in sickness, in sorrow, in joy. And even before marriage, if they're in some love relationship, oh my darling, I cannot live without you. I will take care of you, take care of you like the flower in the vase. I will see that there will not be dust on your feet. I will carry you in my arms. And after marriage, all the wives know that. What happened? You were speaking on phone for hours and hours. You were so devoted to me. You were so romantic. Now, what happened? All those words gone. Much like the devotion that we see here of the people. Very much like the wedding vows, much like the covenant that people make in the church here. We will not live an individualistic life, but seek to live a spiritual life by praying for one another, rejoicing at each other's happiness, carrying each other's burdens and sorrows, showing hospitality to one another, serving one another, and submitting to one another out of reverence. For Christ. And we elders are impressed when they come and make a covenant here. After a few years, after a few days, not even years actually, I'm sorry, a few days. Hey, what happened? They said that we will not live an individualistic life. We attend prayer meetings right at the time they become members. And after a few days, disappear. 
disappear from every meeting. And say that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a church. Where are some people? It's much like that, much like the church covenant. You know what is the point that I would like to make when I look at this? People emotionally claim their faith in God and love towards Him at the beginning, but it is their response in pain that shows their true allegiance to God. We also have made great profession, right? I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I took baptism. Jesus is the love of my life, the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a great expression of devotion. But you know, people, our true allegiance to Christ is not seen when you profess your faith at the time you claim to be born again. Your true profession of faith in Christ is not seen when you publicly get baptized. You know, when it is shown, when you are facing the pressures of life. C.S. Lewis great Christian philosopher, he says here that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And you see what the Lord did to these people. Just look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verses 2 and 3. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Follow me carefully what the Lord did to these people. I told you, right, it took just um, less than two weeks for them to go from Egypt to the promised land, but the Lord took them through 40 years. Why? He wanted to test their declaration, claim. We will do all that the Lord has commanded us to do. That's what the people of Israel said that, right? Okay, let us see whether they will do that. You see here in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3, it says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Not one, not a decade, not two decades, four decades. 40 years in the wilderness. Why? That he might humble you. Now observe these words, people. Every one of us go through this. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep the commandments or not. Even in the wilderness, you were excited when you saw out of the Red Sea. But will you do that in the wilderness? I want to test you. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. Now when we read this, when the scripture says here, testing you to know what was in your heart, what is the doubt that you get? Is God omniscient? Does God know all things? That is a question that we get. Now we need to understand that theologically there is a difference between intellectual knowledge and empirical knowledge, which is experiential knowledge. God in his omniscience has all the intellectual knowledge about who people are and what they would do and he knows everything about the past and the present of the future. When the Bible says here that I wanted to know your heart, that is, although God knew intellectually, what he meant to say here is that he wanted to know them empirically, which is experientially. And that is what he had experienced. Now, what happened when God had took them through the wilderness? 
What happened? Did they prove to be faithful to God? No. Did they prove their obedience to the Lord? No. Did they show their allegiance to God? They said that we will do everything that the Lord has commanded? No. They didn't do that. And people, we also claim a lot of things. We claim a lot. We are very good in claiming. If you have read 1 John carefully, the first chapter, you know how many times he says that if you claim, if you claim, if you claim, if you claim, this is what you will show. This is what will happen. Why does he say that? Because it is highly possible for you and me to claim something else and live exactly opposite to what we claim. That is very much highly possible. Now hear this carefully people. The Bible says here, you know what it says? God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To expose your heart. What does it show? The mouth and the heart doesn't always go together. <laughs> Sometimes the mouth goes somewhere, the heart goes somewhere. Do you understand what I mean? Our claim goes somewhere and the heart goes somewhere. And he wanted to show and expose our heart. And how did God expose the hearts of the Israelites? Through suffering. Through pain. Through difficult times. Here at this church, suffering, pain, doesn't make people weak, disobedient, rebellious. Many people think that I was nice, but when this pain came, I became disobedient. When this pain came, I became rebellious. When this suffering came, I became impatient. When this woman came into my life, I became very impatient. When this man came into my life, all my joy has disappeared from my life. People listen to this. Suffering doesn't make you weak. Pain doesn't make you rebellious. Difficult times doesn't make you disobedient. You know what it does? It shows how weak, disobedient, rebellious you are on the inside. It shows the reality of our hearts which is very different from what we confess, profess and claim with our mouths. Afflictions expose the reality of our hearts. You know one of the greatest things that we need to do when we go through suffering is to discover the condition of our hearts. One of the books that I highly recommend to people if you are very, uh, very enthusiastic about change and uh, some of us have read through in the church and it is How People Change by Paul David Tripp and Timothy Lane. In that they make a wonderful statement. Hear this carefully as I read this for you. We too are in the wilderness of a fallen world. We have not yet entered the promised land of the eternity. So we face hardships in this world like Israel did. While external conditions can be very influential in our lives, influential in our lives and should not be ignored, the Bible says that they are only the occasion for sin, not the cause. People, you should mark these words. Sickness, pain, difficulties, crisis, anything that you take in your life is only an occasion for us to sin. They are never the cause. Difficulties in life do not cause sin. Our background, relationships, situation and physical condition 
only provide the opportunity for our thoughts, words, and actions to reveal whatever is already in our hearts. Our hearts are always the ultimate cause of our responses and where the true spiritual battle is fought. You know what is one thing that we don't do when we go through suffering? And one thing that we mostly do when we go through suffering, we mostly pray, Lord, deliver us from this pain. Save us from this difficult time. Bring us, bring breakthrough in our lives so that we would live pain-free life, anxious-free life, joyful life, peaceful life. Instead of asking the Lord, Lord, show the, show the condition of my heart in this pain. How many of you think we'll really do that, Lord? Show the condition of my heart. Now I realize, oh Lord, where my security is. Here in the church I was nicely singing, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough for me. Every song that you sing in the church, God will test you from Monday to Saturday. <laughs> Monday to Saturday will keep on testing. And every time we test, most of us fail to prove our allegiance. People, please listen to this. One of the things we should ask and examine ourselves when we go through a difficulty, before he delivers us, before he saves us, we should pray and examine and realize and discover the reality of our hearts. Those are the people who grow towards maturity. Those are the people who will grow in holiness. Those are the people who will grow in Christ-likeness and sanctification. But carnal people, secular-minded people, worldly-minded people are only concerned about deliverance. 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 I get amazed at some of the ministries in the churches today. Deliverance ministry. We need exposing ministry. <laughs> Not deliverance. Shall we start Ecclesia exposing ministry? <laughs> Come to the church and God will expose your hearts. Realize, discover the condition of your heart. Know who you are on the inside. Anyone would like to discover the mysteries of your heart? No one is interested. Brother, we, not, we need breakthrough. Come, your life will never be the same. Oh my goodness, I get frustrated when I so, see those titles. Come to the seminar. Come to this conference. Your life will never be the same. The speaker who speaks there, his life is the same. What about those participants who come and attend the seminar? <laughs> you know, what is the question that we need to be asking? What do the pressures of life speak about our negligence of, of our personal relationship with God? You know, how many of us don't do personal devotions and say that, Oh, brother, so pressurizing life is, so busy. People, the busyness of your life shows how you lack your love and heart for God. Rather than people coming and telling, brother, I'm desperate. I am dying. I need God in my life. I'm thirsty for God. I am hungry for God. Would you please help me? If you are a man and a woman of desperation, that is what you would discover in your busy lifestyle. But you know what people say? Very casually, lukewarm. Brother, very busy. Very pressurizing. No time. It is not about no time. The question is, what does this pressure in your life show how much you hunger and thirst for God? Discover it. What do the pressures in life speak about our love towards our spouse? Pressures in life. 
on the wedding day when she wears a white gown and he wears a beautiful suit, everything looks like heaven on earth. But when she manifests to show the reality of her, you know people, marriage is, marriage is a exposure of your heart. Romance is a covering, concealing of your heart. Isn't it? That's the reason we all are fascinated by one another before marriage. I love you. I long for you. I spend time with you because heart is covered. If the heart is exposed before marriage, no one gets married. And after it gets exposed, no one can come out of it. <laughs> you know what is the first description of love in 1 Corinthians 13? Love is emotional. <laughs> what does it say? Love is? Ah. How does patience, patience is exposed? How? When she irritates you. That's where patience, when she is nice, why do you need patience? I'm very patient towards my submissive wife. You don't know what patience is. Get an irritating wife, then you will know what patience is. Submissive wife, anyone can be loving. Oh, my husband is so loving. I'm submissive to him. Brothers and sisters, the crisis in your family Every irritation that you come from your husband and wife is a test of your true love and allegiance to your spouse. Next year, I'm celebrating my 25 years of wedding anniversary. If I'm alive, I will invite you. And if I'm gone, make sure my wife gets married again. <laughs> you know what is the first thing that I would like to tell? In my wedding anniversary, if I'm alive, the one pivotal thing that builds your marriage is grace. It's not expectations, it's grace. The more expectations you have, you wreck your marriage. More grace you have, you build your marriage. That is what I would like to tell, but that shows in your marriage. What do the pressures in life speak about our commitment to God's church? So many people are so busy today, it shows that your commitment to the church. There are some people, you know, they're very committed to the church because they have no jobs. And once they get a job, disappear. Oh my goodness, I unnecessarily gave a testimony about the brother or sister. What a great work in the church because no job, nothing to do. After job, gone, disappeared. The pressures in life, that's where your true love and service comes. When everything is easy, cozy, it's easy to... Love and serve the church. What do the pressures in life speak about our sinful reactions? The pressure in office that you gain and come home and express in your house shows this is who you truly are. Because you cannot expose in the office, you will be fired. You come and take on your children and your wife and husband, they will bear it. That's where we keep on manifesting, right? All the weaknesses. But that pressure speak about the sinful reactions. This is who... We are, you know, people, one thing that I would like to tell you here, when I look at the people of Israel here, why did they grumble? Why did they, when they, go, when they had gone through wilderness, what, when God allowed the suffering, why did they grumble? Why did they disbelieve? You know why? All these things, because they set their hearts on the physical comforts of life. Physical, they expected a comfortable life. They wanted to live the promised land, life in the wilderness. People, when you set your hearts on the comforts of life, although no matter whatever you express in your words, you will live a grumbling, dissatisfying, greedy, covetous, and a carnal life 
in your Christian living. You know what did they say in Exodus 17:7? What is very astounding is that these people, when they had they, when they were craving for the comforts of life, they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Gone everything, count your blessing, name thy one by one, not a one blessing they remembered. Is the Lord among us or not? Why? If the Lord is there, we would be comfortable in life. If the Lord is there, we would not be suffering in life. If the Lord is there, we will be healthy. If the Lord is there, we will be prosperous. If the Lord is there, there will be delicious food set before us every day. Why are we suffering if the Lord is there? You know what does it speak, people? They determine the presence of God in the absence of troubles. Based on the absence of troubles. God is with us or not, for the people of Israel, is dependent on the absence of troubles. If the presence of troubles is there, there is the absence of the presence of God. And if the presence of God is there, there is the absence of the troubles. That's their biggest problem. Rather than knowing and believing that God is more closer to you in your pain and afflictions than in your pleasures. They didn't believe that. People be careful. Be careful of this attitude that can drive you away from the living God. Leonard Ravenhill says, what a grand statement is made. Where do we find such saints today? And he really proved that confession that he made throughout his life. He loved God like anything. He was a devoted man. He said, my goal is God himself, not joy, not peace, not even blessing, but himself, 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 God alone. I don't mind if I go through sickness or pain, if God is with me. You know, I love what Moses said. Moses said that I can't get along with these people. These are stiff-necked, hard-hardened, terrible people. You take them into the promised land. I don't want to come with you. You know what Moses said? Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going to get into the promised land. What is promised land without you, O Lord? But if it was asked to the people of Israel, they might have said that, grab this opportunity. There is a great problem with this presence of God. Let's get into the promised land and enjoy life. Leonard Ravenhill says here, Lord, you are the one I need. People, do you think Christ is enough for us? It's easy to sit on this chair and say that. But when you suffer, let those words come out. Christ is enough. God, I need you more than anything. Blessed are those who love God supremely because they have nothing to lose. Why? For they have God who is eternal, faithful, and the most magnificent being. People, I'm telling you, God is so supremely good, eternal, money, children, spouse, job, possessions, everything that you name it and claim it in this world is nothing compared to who God is in his incomparable attributes, nature and works. And those who love him more than anyone or anything, you see their lives will be very different. Because they find their absolute satisfaction in him. What has happened in the people of Israel. And what we see the author of cautioning here. Peter also reminds that this is what you will go through as believers. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 to 7. 
1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 to 7 in this you rejoice in this one in the hope of salvation that you have in the blood that Christ shed for your sins and bought you and gave you the eternal life he says here in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials he says that your suffering is for a little while if life is short your suffering is also short and he says here that don't be grieved by these trials now you see what he says here so that the tested genuineness of your faith your faith is tested in these trials your faith is tested in these temptations and when god tests you what would happen more precious than gold your faith is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ at the end people you know who are truly saved who are truly the genuine believers who are truly the faithful those who persevere till the end and at the end god will tell and say this woman this man is my true devoted it's very difficult to say that now but our perseverance in suffering says that and there is a warning for believers from the parable of the sower that jesus said in luke chapter 8 verse 13 you see what happened to these people when their faith was tested luke 18 8 13 and the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy excitement but these have no root now you see what it says they believe for a while but in the time of testing in the time of suffering in the time of difficulties in the time of pain they fall away they fall away people everyone is here is either going through testing suffering or will be going through and that's where you need to show where your heart is because suffering exposes the reality of your hearts israel failed to trust god israel showed that their heart is not for god not at all interested in the word of god not at all interested in hearing obeying submitting to the authority of the word of god they were only interested in the comforts of life and they wanted god to be used for their comfortable lifestyle that's not don't you think this is how many believers are today how to use god use jesus so that they can climb on the ladder of success prosperity comfortable life and god is not interested in that what is your response when we go through persecution sickness financial crisis loss of loved one hurt in relationships unanswered prayers all this god allows to expose our hearts let us stick to him the other temptation that i would like to show you that they faced after they entered into the promised land the first one i spoke is pain you know what is the second one that i would like to talk to you from the people of israel pleasures and these are more dangerous than pain <laughs> more dangerous than pain israelites after entering into the promised land again when god allowed them pain they went astray when god blessed them and gave them the pleasures they went astray more that's even more dangerous deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 12 to 15 it says that the lord says here lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied 
you hear the word here, people, multiplied, 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 prosperous and blessed and excelling in life. He says, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He cautions them, don't forget your Lord. Once you are blessed and prosperous, don't forget him, don't neglect him. Yeah, these people did not say that we don't believe in God at all. You know what they did? If you read their history, they gave him the secondary place. They dethroned his supremacy to secondary place. It's not that they said that, oh, we don't believe in God anymore. No, 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 no. We believe in God. We also want Baal. God plus. We believe in God, but we also want this or that. It is not that we need God at the first and the foremost as a priority. A lot of believers today also say that, yeah, I, I believe in God. I love the Lord. You know one thing? Never the Bible says, love the Lord. Do you understand this? Never the Bible says, love the Lord. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not half of the heart. Not most of the heart. All your heart. All your mind. All your strength. All your soul. All. 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 God either wants all or none. Do you hear this? Don't play with God. Don't do this silly cheap business with God. I will give little. I will give half. I will give mostly. No. God is a supreme God. He is not a cheap God. He is the most glorious being and magnificent being. He says that I either want all or none. What is our response people? Think about this. We see here that these people forgot God. You know what is one of the gloomiest books in the Bible? Especially in the Old Testament. You know that? The book of Judges. Each one did whatever they want. And when did Judges happen? After they settled in the promised land. Had all the pleasures in their lives. They forgot God. Don't you think that? We may also become much like them. You know why believers are not growing towards maturity these days? Do you find mature believers, by the way? Mature people. Growing in Christ-likeness. Growing in maturity. Growing strong in their faith. Do you see that? I'm not talking about confession, profession. This is no lack. There is no lack of expressing passion, profession, and all these things in Christianity today. But when it comes to pain and pleasures, you see where their heart is devoted. That's where we see that. Jesus says here, why so many don't grow? You know why? Same thing, pleasures. They are entangled by the pleasures of the world. They want God. They want to grow in the Lord. But he is not so important. These pleasures are important. You see what the Lord Jesus says here. In Luke chapter 8 verse 14. And as for those what fell among the thorns. Much like the people of Israel here. They are those who hear. But as they go on their way. Go on their profession of faith in Christ. They are choked. By the cares of life. What are the cares? More than God and his kingdom and his righteousness. They are concerned about eating, drinking, settling, security and all these things. Anxieties of life. 
and riches, love of money. And you see what he says? And pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. If you are not growing in your Christian living, I'm not talking about coming to church, praying, reading the Bible. No, 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 no. If you are not growing in your Christian living, you are choked by either one of this or all of this. Anxieties, riches, pleasures, choking you, attracting you, entangling you, not letting you grow. And the Lord is telling you today, do not let your heart be fallen away from the living God. Come back. God is most pleasurable being than any other pleasures that you get in this world. 1 Timothy 6.10, you see what it says here. There is a caution of the pleasures here. Pleasures are God-given gifts. But you know what would happen? It says that it is through this craving. What is the craving? Craving for comfortable life. People listen to this. I often tell this. It is easy to live in this world. Are you understanding? It is easy to live in this world. You know why people are slogging through and finding it so difficult? Because they want to live a luxurious life. It is easy to live in this world. What is most difficult is luxurious lifestyle. That you compete with the neighbor. That we covet with what our neighbor is having. It says here it is through this craving, comforts of life, love of money, pleasures of life. That some have wandered away from the faith that Hebrews is cautioning here. And pierced themselves with many pains. In their pursuit of pleasures, they have pierced with a lot of pain. So many foolish people do that. In their pursuit of pleasure. Maybe I will get pleasure there. Maybe I will get pleasure here. And they run after, run after, run after. And they end up piercing themselves with a lot of pain. And I love this prayer, people. Love this prayer that is there in the Proverbs 30 verse 7 to 9. And if, if Israel says, pray this, blessed, prosperity preachers never, never mention this because they go and get collection and offerings. Proverbs 37 to 8, you see what it says? Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full. Hear this people? Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. What does it show people? Listen to this carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't underestimate the power of blessing. Don't underestimate the power of materialism. Don't underestimate the power of prosperity. You know why? Because when you are full, when I am full, we are prone to forget the one who brought us and blessed us and gave us this life. And that's why he says that, Lord, when I'm full, I will forget you, Lord. And you know what the Bible cautions of the last days, the crisis of the last days? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, you see that this happening in the church, not in the world. The world is already totally depraved. But this happens in the church. What? One of the crises of the last days in the church, according to 2 Timothy 3, 4, is this. Lovers of pleasures... Rather than lovers of God. 
lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of god you find so many today lovers of pleasure they always think about what brings me pleasure rather than loving god who is most pleasurable cs lewis wrote a fantastic classic book which is called screw tape letters the whole book is about how mentoring happens by the senior senior demon of the junior demons and you know what the senior demon says to the junior demon in this he says that i know we have won many a soul through pleasure if you want to get believers in the churches you know you may be thinking when you read 1 timothy 1 peter chapter 5 verse 8 the devil is roaring like a lion seeking whom he may devour don't think that he comes in the form of the horror movies that you see he knows that he can't get you if you come like that you will run away but if he comes in the form of pleasure <laughs> you will be running after the devil oh i need you oh i need you oh i want you because there is my pleasure and that's it gone gone i just want to mention how some of the pleasures so that we can be practical about it there are two kinds of pleasures one is the evil pleasures that we all know and let me tell you christians are so good that very few people commit these evil pleasures but one of the pleasures that is more indulging is that the pleasure of indulging in laziness over taking pains to discipline one's life you know laziness is very comfortable in winter season in the morning you know that <laughs> so comfortable on the bed and then when the time comes for you to go to work get up wash your face run away and no time to pray no time to read the bible because it was so comfortable cozy in the bed pleasure of indulgence in laziness over taking pains what do we like that's nothing but the love of pleasure pleasure of sexual immorality over seeking the pleasures of god we know that how pornography is a big big issue premarital sex extramarital affairs homosexuality pornography ruining why people watch pornography not because they get pain but because they get pleasure but that pleasure pierces them with many pain and it says and gives a caution here because they love the pleasures of the world more than the pleasures of god but i want to tell you actually the good pleasures that can turn evil good pleasures that's where the deception lies let me quickly mention that okay what is that pleasure of making money over expending our lives for god's glory It's not about the pivotal goal is not about living and dying for the glory of God when the bible says that i have made you for my glory money is good people we can't anyone who says that i don't need money he's a liar i have a friend who says that i love money not in the sense of excessive interest in that in the sense that i need money to provide for my family money is not evil it is a love of money which is the root of evil and so many people in pursuit of something good money they are going away from the living god because of the pleasure to get money rather than expending their lives for the glory of the living god pleasure of finding security in earthly positions rather than in christ jesus where is the security jesus and the bible so much reveals that your life on earth is short and you go away but so many people the earthly people find their security in the earthly positions get this get that get this get this 
You know, in the Proverbs, that says that the leech has two things to say. Leech. You know leech? There are two things. What does it say? Give. Give. Give me, give me, give me money. My name is Johnny. So, finding security in earthly positions rather than in Christ. Pleasure of worldly status over identity in Christ. If I have a post of this, if I... You know, so many people, education is a blessing. We need to study hard. Build your career. It's a blessing. But so many people build that in order to prove to the world who they are. And they eventually prove that they are greedy, selfish, wretched sinners. There is nothing that you can prove than that. Because our identity is not in this. Bible says our identity in Christ, but the pleasure of status Pleasure of buying things over saving money and being generous in giving. Where do you find pleasure? In spending or saving or in giving? Where do you find spending? So impulsive in our spending, we find pleasure there. Pleasure of comforts of life over patient in difficult times. I really appreciate some of the foreign brothers who come. And the way they live, if you live in America, if you come here, and you see that India is not so comfortable. And they even go to the places where it is hot, where the bed is not proper. They are willing to sleep on the floor, willing to take newspaper in the fields. You understand what that means? They have no problem with that. And I've never seen them grumble. But we Indians? Oh my God. So hot. So hot. Go to missions like that. Go to a village. Oh my. So hot. I can't. Stop this trauma, people. <laughs> Get used to difficulties in life. Get used to physical discomforts. Pleasures are always not good. We need to get used to that. Sometimes if the power goes off in the night, it is good. Because you know what pain is. Don't get, don't love so much and become discontent. Pleasure of entertainment than having the joy of spending time in prayer and God's word. If it is television, if it is a movie, we look at it like a dog that rules. <laughs> hours and hours, no problem. Spending time in prayer and word, not even five minutes. That's boring. You know what that shows people? When entertainment is what entertains you more than prayer and word, it shows that you love the pleasures more than God. It's good. Entertainment is good. I love entertainment. I love it. But put it where it belongs. Put it where it belongs. Find more pleasure in the presence of God. Not in the presence of entertainment. Pleasure of phone. Pleasure of social media. Look at the phones today and see how long they use it actually. Look at the database. What is that? What do you call data? Screen time. Look at the screen time. Phone, social media, WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, television, YouTube. And even games. Look at them, slaves. Why? Because it gives them pleasures. They go to work, come home, sit before television and watch for hours. Go to work, come home, before phone and keep looking at it. No spend time with husband or wife or children, nothing like that. Just stay gloom to that. What does it show people? That we love phones more than God. We love WhatsApp, Instagram more than God. That we love YouTube more than God. Brothers, sisters, examine pleasure of people's attention and appreciation over attention and commendation of God. 
pleasure of family time fun over family devotions and encouragement pleasure of vacation over solitude with god pleasure of sleep over diligence discipline for good purposes pleasure of lukewarmness over god's communal activities and serving god's people pleasure of reading news and watching sports over reading books to nourish your soul pleasure of people family friends over pleasure in god pleasure of chatting with one another for hours and hours over encouraging one another in the lord pleasure of food over fasting you know what is the most miraculous sight today to find people who fast at least once forget about once a week that is far if i ask you now i don't want to ask you because i don't want to die with a heart attack <laughs> how many of you fast and pray at least once a month you just look into your heart even fasting prayer also they don't fast and come they feast and come because they love food they can't live without food someone was telling me how oh, i'm feeling hungry definitely you'll feel hungry do you think that i'm excited as i'm fasting <laughs> i know what's happening in my stomach given a chance i would i would eat up mandi and all those things it's not that i have a supernatural power to fast and i'm enjoying this and you are suffering because of that <laughs> suffer suffering is good pleasure is not good pleasure of ministry for people like us you know what is a pleasure for pastors sit here and shout at you for one hour <laughs> you know it's a great pleasure i know how much you are suffering there <laughs> someone said that i love this because it is more exciting to stand here than sit there <laughs> we pastors love preaching teaching counseling and spending alone in god and praying why because who will see there god is only seeing but here i get hundreds of people watching me and giving me the gratification that i need we pastors are wretched arrogant people who love ministry more than the presence of god we love counseling preaching teaching writing because that gets glory any pastor who loves preaching teaching writing all the things more than spending time in god's presence he is hungry for self glory and i have seen that in my life and i had to repent and change my life people this is what i want to tell you pleasure has greater potential to drive you away from god than pain are you understanding be careful with the pleasure it has more potential to drive you away from god than pain remember this is where the israelites have gone astray but here is a good news i want to tell you here these people some of us don't understand especially the young people because they think that eating their bitter gourd is what the pleasure is all about they have never tasted apple they think that pleasure is what bitter gourd is but here this the pleasure of loving the creator over everything is supremely greater than the pleasure of seeking to find our pleasure in the creation supremely glorious do you know what it is to spend time in the presence of god where you were so filled with overwhelming joy that you know that god is there and you didn't want him to let you go and you fall at his feet and hold his feet and say that lord don't leave me do you know that experience many have no idea about it because they never spend in prayer more than 2 minutes what will you experience god when you spend time in prayer word 2 5 minutes you will never know god 
You will know WhatsApp. You will know Instagram. You know people. You would know games. You would know everything. Never know God. But if you taste him, I have tasted people. And I know that how glorious, how glorious God is. How beautiful his presence is more than sex, more than money, more than positions, more than anything. The pleasure of experiencing God is incomparable and indescribable. Taste it. The Bible says taste and see. Because many are smelling. They don't know what that tasting is. In fact, the pleasures that we find in creation is more satisfying when it emerges from our supreme pleasure in the creator. Yeah, you, you just enjoy the pleasure of God. WhatsApp will be a blessing. Instagram will be a blessing. Television will be a blessing. Phones will be a blessing. Sex will be a blessing. Food will be a blessing. Everything that you enjoy in this creation is satisfying. Why? Because it emerges out of your satisfaction in Christ. Because you enjoy God, you enjoy the creation. Listen to this carefully, people. You can never enjoy the creation of God, the blessing of God, if you don't enjoy the creator himself. In fact, the same blessings and creation and the pleasures of this world become a curse upon you. Because there is no blessing, no enjoyment, no pleasure apart from the presence of God. And these people have gone away because of that. As I come close, I just want to tell here what the Hebrew says, coming back. Three times he says in Hebrews 3, 7 to 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hebrews 3.15, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hebrews 4.7 says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why so many times in these two chapters? Why do not harden, do not harden, do not harden, do not be stiff-necked, do not be disinterested, do not be rebellious, do not let your hearts go astray. Why? Because that's what the condition of our heart is. And that's why God is speaking to us this morning. That's why we need to open our Bibles. Every time you read the Bible, God is restoring your heart, people. And every time you're running away from the Bible, you are getting away from God. Are you understanding? That's why I say that get to this book. Get to this book. Because this is the voice of God. Read this more than anything. And you will see what would become of your life. And this is my encouragement to any unbeliever here. I don't know who are believers, some of the visitors over here. But I want to call you today. If you hear the voice of God. And if you know that yes, Jesus loved me. Gave his life for me. I am a sinner. And Christ died for my sins and rose from the dead. And he is the only purpose and the meaning of life. And if you have been listening to this gospel of Christ Jesus and never submitting. Today God is calling you. Come. Repent of your sins. And believe in him. Do not harden your hearts. And if you are a believer here. I want to tell you brothers and sisters. Be careful of pain. Be careful of pleasure, for these two things have so much of potential to drive you away from the living God. You keep yourself close to God. Do not let pain or pleasure rob you from the glorious, magnificent, supreme, splendorous being, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Guard your heart in the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Puritan John Flavel said that the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. The greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. And if you know your heart, you know every day it's a battle to keep your heart for God. When you leave this place, go back to your home, go back to your college, go back to your workplace, go back to your house. It's a battle, battle to keep your heart with God. And the Bible calls us, keep your heart with God, don't let it go away. We need to constantly recharge ourselves. I, you know, I use the laptop and constantly it shows that every time when I work on that, it shows 10% batteries left. Recharge, plug in. Do you recognize that's the condition of your heart? Charging is getting over. Some phones are dead here. Some hearts are dead here. And they are not recharging it. Some are having little battery left over in your heart. And you are not recharging it. How long will you live away from the living God? And profess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is calling us brothers and sisters. Recharge. You need God. And nothing else. Shall we all stand up and pray? Maybe I'll just read this and explain next message, which is very important. How to deal with the heart and guarding. I'm just quickly mentioning. Look at this, but you will hear more in the next message. Examine your heart every day. Consider its reactions to pain and pleasures. Number one. Number two, confess your idols of the heart in pain and pleasures that you experience. Number three, feed your faith with God's word and by reading solid devotional doctrinal books. As Paul wrote, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fourth, constantly look at Christ and seek to find your sufficiency in him. Fight, fight, fight and flee from every distraction that is seeking to entangle you. And most vitally, which we come to the next verse, the next week, Hebrews 3.13 but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand before your throne of grace with all of our weaknesses, O Lord, with all of our sinfulness, with all of our wild emotionalism and reactions. Lord, we can fool everyone here we can even fool our family members. But who can fool you? Who can deceive you? For you are the Lord who knows everything about our hearts. And we beg you, O Lord, this morning, have mercy on us. And we pray that you give us that broken, contrite heart. And even after listening to this message and the prodding of the Holy Spirit, may we not harden our hearts but submit ourselves to your word and allow your word to transform us, to build us and to use us for the glory and honor of your name. Lord, you forgive our backsliding, forgive our grumbling, forgive our love of pleasures, our love of God, over the pleasures of God. There are pleasures at your right hand evermore and we run to those filthy, dirty, momentary, transitory pleasures. Lord, you give us your grace and mercy to know you, taste you, enjoy you, so that all the pain, all the pleasures appears like the shadow in the beauty and the glorious presence of the living God. Please to help us to love you, O Lord.
Because you are the reason why we are existing. You are the reason for whom we are existing. You are the reason by whom we have been delivered from the power and the bondage of sin. You are the reason with whom we will live forever and ever after we die. Open our eyes to realize, O oh Lord, how fleeting our life is in this world. Today we are there, tomorrow we are gone. Today we have things and tomorrow they are gone. There is nothing eternal in this world. The only eternal is the eternal God. And may we love you more than anyone or anything. And keep our hearts close to you and not allow unbelief, not allow the deceitfulness of the flesh, the allurements of the world to take us away from the living God. May we be devoted to you, follow you, persevere in our faith till the end. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com You may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com I repeat c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at gmail.com Grace and peace be to you.